The Specific Brown Rap Rule Show is brought to you in conjunction with the Academy of Contemporary Music. The Academy of Contemporary Music has been training artists, producers and business entrepreneurs for careers in the music industry since 1995. With their state-of-the-art facilities, world-class faculty and extensive connections within the music industry, ACM offers music courses that develop you to your highest potential and most importantly, immerse you in the music industry. ACM, do what you love. You are now listening to the one and only Specific Brown Rap Rule Show. Real people, real talk, real life, real rap. You know how we do. No fake news. This is Cloth Talk. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Specific Brown Rap Rule Show podcast. My name is DJ Specific Brown and today is our first episode of a five-episode mini-series. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking with MCAC from London. And we're going to, MCAC is a drum and bass and hip-hop MC, and we're going to talk to him about his career at the present date. And we're going to especially spe- focus on performance techniques. The, en- the interview lasts about an hour and a half. Here is my interview with MCAC. Okay, uh, hello. I'm joined by AC the MC. AC, how's it going, man? Yeah, how you doing? You good? Yeah, not too bad, man. Um, how you been recently? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just um, working through this corona madness and everything. So it's been a bit of a mad year, really. Preach, um, preach. You know, no no raves. I haven't been doing any gigs. The last gig I did, I think, was March, maybe March the 19th um, at E1 in London um, for a rave called Next Type. That was the last gig I did. And then after that, it was just uh, the lockdown kicked in. So it's been quite weird. Have you heard anything from people you know or like through the news that like as to whether if there's a date, they're going to start gigs up again? Apparently, they're meant to be um, able to do like social distance events uh, uh, from the 21st of June and yeah. then um, full on events and festivals from August. But you know, seeing as what happened and my opinion is very, it's very uncertain. You can't really predict anything. Yeah. So, um, so I've, I've, I've got a meeting today about doing a, a, a boat party for my birthday because it's on the 29th of June. So I'm going to do like a birthday bash on a boat and then yeah. maybe one in the club in Bristol as well. But he, you know, I just want to make sure that it will possibly go ahead because it's annoying when you have to postpone things and people have spent their money on tickets and all that kind of stuff. So it's annoying yeah. for the for the ravers and stuff. So I'm going to have a meeting about that and, and see. Also, if, if you can only let in, uh, there was a figure that the government was saying about 23% capacity. Yeah. So if you can only have 23% capacity, it's, it kind of like limits how many artists you can book, um, how obviously the profit margins are then because it's dropped so much, so then is there any point in doing it? So yeah. that's that's my um, view on things. I had people hollering at me last year when they could do social distance events. I had people calling me saying, oh, can you come and do this event? I can only have 40 people in the rave, though, because of social distancing, um, and so I can only pay you this much, so you'd be getting a third of your usual fee, and I'm not going to make any money. And I'm like, well, what's the point then? Why, why are you even doing yeah. it? They were just doing it to keep their brand alive. Yeah. But you can keep your brand alive online. So I'm just like, 
you know, because there's, 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 I've been doing live streams and radio stuff still all throughout. Um, not as often as I would because the studio I used to go to was used by a lot of other DJs on the radio. I was doing it on Origin UK. Yeah. And so I was like, I saw that and I was like, nah, you know what? It's just too much infection. It's this thing, this corona thing is really is like virulent, as they say, and there's too much possibility for transmission of infection and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, nah. And then when, then I did come back and do a few shows and I've been on other live streams um, that had, that were COVID compliant and whatnot and were cleaning the hell out of everything. Um, and yeah, I've done a few of those. I'm doing one tonight on Rough Tempo. Um, and that is like, they they had to go through this whole rigmarole of getting COVID compliance from their local council and stuff. So that yeah. they can carry on doing, doing radio stuff. So when you go in there, you have to be two meters apart and all, all that kind of stuff, isn't it? So. Yeah. Like from from when the social, uh, from when the lockdown first started last March, um, have you kind of adapted the way you operate uh, to this day? It goes about saying that you there's things you can't do and then things have opened up like different channels. Like, mm. have you noticed that you've kind of adapted like in the way you operate like even from like a comfort level of use or like doing online shows and stuff like was there some difficulty at the beginning that you've now overcome and you've now got used to um not really because i was always doing online streaming anyway like when i was on origin uh uk i was always live streaming it from my facebook page so for me it was pretty standard yeah but um for other people that would be used to going to a big radio station or whatever and now they're streaming from their house or whatever like that with a flat then they they probably find it a bit different. Um, I started doing two podcasts as well because um, obviously you can't go and really like see your friends or anything like that. So we just started doing a podcast on Sunday, uh, me, Genesis, Elijah and Terry Hooligan called How Are You Doing Mate podcast. So it's us just chatting like, like we'd usually chat if we were driving to a gig in the car or, yeah. or you know, just um, meeting each other at a restaurant or, or a pub or something like that or a bar or something. And then I do I do another uh, uh, podcast on Wednesday night with Terra Slim, which is called AC and Terra's Mad Chat, where we just talk about all like uh, mad stuff like conspiracy theories and yeah. all kinds, <laughs> of, kinds of mad stuff on there about aliens and whatnot. Um, so so that's... So, so that guess, that's kind of helped me keep in touch with my friends over the over the time. Yeah. Um, so you don't feel that isolation that you might feel. Yeah, man. But also like throughout the because there was no gigs and usually I'm doing raves at the weekend, you, you might have like a, a, a Thursday night small bar rave or whatever. Um, so because there's none of that um, at the time, I got a job teaching um, in schools. Um, teaching primary school kids doing music and animation on iPads. Yeah. Yeah. But that was only in a week. So I thought, cause there's no raise at the weekend. I'll carry on doing my, I was working with young offenders as well. So I carry on doing the young offenders support work, but I, sh I changed my shift to just at the weekend. Yeah. So I'd work in the week for the schools and then I would do the young offender stuff at the weekend. So um, I could carry on doing that. So I was basically a key worker for that whole um, time up until I started again. Uh, at ACM in yeah. um, October because I had to give a month's notice to the school job and then I could start at ACM again in October because previously before that I'd only guest, guest lectured 
like three times on the um the rap and mc degree yeah but now i'm teaching on diploma and doing the rap and mc degree modules as well so that's been good like other other artists i know who they haven't had any other jobs other than doing music and so when this lockdown has hit some of them have got money from the government and others have not got anything so it's been really really hard for them especially like if they're used to getting big money and they just bought a a house and they've got a fat mortgage payment every month for that house yeah then their lifestyle has had to change because a lot of them are used to buying designer clothes and and flossing in there living and the buying, life yeah yeah you know and taking a lot of cocaine and all this kind of stuff so now they're they're a bit screwed because they they can't fund their coke habit they can't fund their designer garms habit um and all the rest of it really their alcohol habit so covid for them has really been a kick in the balls then hasn't yeah it? for a lot of them yeah it has it has and, and i've seen people mentally cracking up on online and stuff and really really going downhill so yeah. you know and um it has been quite strange it's been pretty mad you know but then like some of them they've had to adapt some of them adapted well and some of them haven't in it but yeah that's how life goes really yeah because so, i think a lot of people are using the raves um as an outlet for all their frustrations in their life all their stresses so they go to the rave and take loads of drugs and dance loads that night and they get it all out of their system. Yeah. Um, and up frustrations. Yeah. Now they haven't got that. So you are seeing a lot of people cracking up on Facebook, like a lot of, um, uh, domestic violence is happening. A lot of drug overdoses. A few people I know killed themselves. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really, Tragic. it is being mad. It's actually been, crazy this year so you know and then a few artists i know have got covid and died and um, serious yeah and then i know Mate. other people who are falling out with each other because you know you've got the two camps people that think the covid thing is all just a conspiracy and it's all fake yeah and they won't hear uh, the other side's point of view and the other side won't hear their point of view so then they're falling out with each other so it's it's actually gone quite fractured so yeah man wow man that's crazy yeah um yeah. for you like uh like your revenue streams now that you've got maybe like that you didn't have before prior to covid um can you see yourself continuing with them once the uh, restrictions are lifted later this year do you, or do you reckon you're going to switch back to how you were operating before covid started last year or well at the, at the moment i'm teaching the acm and i'm really enjoying that so i think i'll keep doing that um uh, as soon you know I'm, I'm gonna the the beauty of the rave scene is all the raves at the weekend like back when i first started you'd have events going on in the week as well but they'd all be the smaller events really like smaller club events but now that doesn't really happen anymore it's only really at the weekend you might as i said you know you might get one on a thursday like when i first started i'd be doing even raves on a monday at small bars and stuff in brixton I used to have three residencies in Brixton, one at Bug Bar, that was a Thursday, one at Fridge Bar was on a Wednesday, and I can't remember what the one on a Monday was, but it was just mad, it was just things just going on all the time. Yeah. So you could feasibly make make a living from just doing raves in the week and raves at the weekend, but now yeah. it's kind of changed. So you've got that 
the raise at the weekend and then you've got the the week free so therefore you can do a job and do raise because the thing about the raise scene is it's it's up and down sometimes you'll have loads and loads of bookings and then sometimes you won't so then yeah. you know you there's that stress there so yeah. having a, a a job on the side you know what i'm saying so having a job on the side you're cool isn't it so you at least you know your bills are getting paid your mortgage is getting paid and stuff yeah so because it's an underground music for a minute it's not like only a few artists are bringing in those massive massive amounts of money like yeah. mainstream commercial um music and stuff like that so you have to think about that really so i think yeah and, and the good thing about acm is i'm i'm actually enjoying what i'm doing teaching people what i've the skills i've learned in music whereas the other jobs i was having um like doing the young offender stuff that that wasn't really that that way there would be times where i taste people to music studios in london um that were run by like um usg and stuff like that they would they would have like music studios um but it wasn't really i wasn't really getting involved in the the, the music process or whatnot it was i was just taking them there they were doing their thing then we'd be giving them advice like if they were um, drill artists they were talking about all this stuff they were doing on the street we'd be saying maybe don't include things that are going to incriminate you and things like that and you know some listened some didn't and now the ones who didn't are in jail doing yeah. like long long sentences so it's like book smarts and street smarts combined like you know just being savvy about everything yeah yeah you know like a lot, a lot of these youths think that they can just wear a balaclava in the video and, and the police won't get them but nah this is not going to work they'll they you just wearing a face mask is not enough. They're still gonna get you. So, yeah, man, that's truth right there. Um, mm -hmm. at, at ACM at the moment, and since you started teaching, um, have you like have you been specialising in a specific area, or have you be kind of like a jack of all trades? How's that? How's that been going? Well, on the the rap and MC stuff, mainly I was doing the performance side of things, stagecraft, and um, then on diploma. Um, I've been working in um, Creativity Lab and, excuse me, then right. also, what's the other thing? Um, music video experiential tasters, because I've got experience doing music videos for people and stuff and for myself. And then, um, what's the other thing I'm doing? Oh, yeah, creative music. So I've got background in um, uh, theory and, and I make my own beats and stuff like that. And obviously songwriting and stuff so that's that's cool and then creative software because as an artist now you know you're doing a lot of stuff for social media it's good to know how to make your own uh, website and all that kind of thing so we're we're passing on that knowledge as well like how to use um google um sites to make your own website um how to embed videos in there and all that kind of stuff and embed your music in it so that and, and have an overall theme to your website as well so it's like a brand aesthetic that will keep people on your website rather than clicking away you know you're trying to keep everyone as engaged as possible and not just putting links of a, one of your videos so they click out of your site go to youtube and then start getting distracted by other stuff on youtube so we're trying to show people how to really keep your fan base engaged and and solely looking at you when they go online and not getting distracted yeah so 
keeping the brand focused for an artist on like some key themes as opposed to just being left, right and centre and everywhere. Yeah, like I try to get the students to think about the colours they like to have on the website. Um, if they've, you know, if you've got like a, a new EP and your artwork is is like a, a picture of a mountain or something, then maybe on the backgrounds of your website, put loads of pictures of mountains and stuff like that. So it all, it all... Um, Consistent message. Yeah, it all gels. It's all one product. Because if you look at, if you look at uh, any other big artist who's putting their stuff out, the label will make sure when they've got their new album coming out, the whole website gets treated with their kind of like album artwork theme. Everything links up. It all is one package. So that's what I've been trying to drill into them to, to get them to do that as well. Yeah, cool, man. Um, you've got you've got a very successful range of merchandise that you sell um, for your for your logos and for the branding for your merchandise that, you, that you've sold over the years. Have you like yeah. stuck to a key theme for your branding? And if so, like, where, yeah. did you get inspiration from it from somewhere? Um, well, my nickname was Ace, and a lot of people call me Ace. Um, so that's what I, I thought. Okay, Ace. Then I thought, let me do something that is um, not just with my name on it. Some artists will do just their stuff just with their name on it, but I'm always like, you might have some people going to buy it, but it limits the amount of people that are going to buy it because number one, you're going to have people that don't like you, and then number two, you're going to have people that are like they don't want to wear someone's name on them when they're walking around. Yeah. So. Um, I chose to do aces high, um, you know, thinking about the the term in card games and stuff like yeah. that. So I just got, I just designed an, an ace of spades logo, had the, the four cards there. Then I thought I like the kind of like that. Um, is it called Gothic style writing? I'm not sure. Is that like the, the font you're alluding to? Yeah, yeah, the font, yeah. like old English letters, kind of old, the old starters. I like that because I've seen that on a lot of, um, you know, like uh, in LA, a lot of people use that that kind of font yeah. on the low riders. I've always liked that font. I think it looks cool and stuff. So I wrote it in that, and then I wanted it to look like um, heraldry, heraldry kind of thing. So I had, I did a design, did some wings. I did it all on Photoshop. Yeah, um, made some wings and then got other things like little crosses and um, stars and put them all around it and whatnot. So then I had the one for the jackets and I did the jackets first and t-shirts because everyone was doing t-shirts. I thought, let me try to do some jackets. So I did them, but the only thing with jackets, because it's more expensive, it sells slower. Yeah. So um, then I thought, okay, I'll just do t-shirts. T-shirts will just fly out quick. And I always wanted to do hats. So I was trying to make the logo go good on hats, but it was too big. So then what I did, I thought I've got to change it. So I just had like um, the the Ace of Spades, but I thought, no, nah, by itself is a bit boring. So I thought put a wreath logo around it. So you've got, do you know what I mean? So it's a little bit different. And then I had Aces High written on the back. So that's what I settled on finally. And that's that's been quite successful. Like people in the, the scene have bought it. Even like the jackets and t-shirts they've sold to people that don't know anything about music they just like them because they play poker yeah so i had one um you've got almost you've got a cross kind of conceptual you it's going into other concepts of life as just opposed just to music yeah yeah so when if i do a post about it on social media i will not only put the kind of music that i do in the tags 
I'll also tag poker, cards, games. Card, yeah. yeah, all that. Do you know what I mean? Aces, ace of spades, da 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 da. So then, you, like, um, some team from America bought a load of t-shirts um, for their poker tournament. So it was quite, quite mad, isn't it? it was like you, That's you'll see all that on your. Do you know what I mean? You'll see all that on your website. Um, do you have access to uh, demographic breakdowns of who buys your merchandise? So, like, an equivalent of like what you get for like Spotify for artists, where you can yeah. see who buys your stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I first I originally set my own website up, and um, then someone told me about Big Cartel. Um, so I thought, okay, let me try Big Cartel out because the 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 the, the way it's set out is really cool. So then I went on to Big Cartel. It was free. You can have up to five products on there. So I put two T-shirts on there, the jacket. Um, then I had one of my own CDs on there, and then I put the hat on there. And I found it really good, Big Cartel, because they, I don't know, they handle a lot of stuff with the ordering process for you. So it's cool. And um, so I did that. And then I was, my house, was, my flat was just getting full up of stock, like yeah. T-shirts and all this. and like, A warehouse, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is too stressful, man. I can't even bother with this. So then I found um, this guy. Aaron Carpenter, yeah, he is from Milton Keynes and he's got a company called Dynamic Threads. And what they do is on a, um, they'll, they'll print on a order by order basis. So what they'll do is they provide all of the stock, you provide the logo and the artwork and then they split it with you. Okay. Um, yeah, so they, they're getting paid and you're getting paid and I haven't got to worry about any of that other stuff because I'm trying to do music as well, whereas yeah. he, his whole, do you know what I mean? His whole business is doing that for other people, printing and da 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 da. Yeah. So then, he handles that side of it, and I I just um, do the logos and the promotion online and all that as well. And then we just split the money. So for me, that was cool. Yeah. Like other people are like, no, I want all the money. I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, you. Fifty percent of a dollar is better than a hundred percent of nothing. Yeah. Exactly, and the, and the, the stress is just. Do you know what I mean? It's just not there. Like, I haven't got to the, go to the post office with bags full of stuff and you've got people behind you in a queue getting all annoyed yeah. and everything. I've seen so a lot now, of artists, they do that. They're, 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 they're like, they send out their merch individually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On their own. Like, I still do the hats. I'll do them. Um, but he's got all of the T-shirts. He's got all the jackets. Yeah. Um, so I do the baseball jackets with him or the varsity jackets, whatever they're called. Did a run of face masks when the COVID thing hit um all that kind of stuff you know so are your, uh, are your face masks the reusable ones yeah they're ones you can wash in the washing machine yeah. and everything in it so so yeah the cloth the cloth ones um but yeah they, they did quite well um and yeah so that's that's been all right man but it then i've just kept that in the branding of myself all the time just carried on that logo so i'm always wearing one of my own hats i've got a new hat now this one that I've written the word Ace on it. Yeah. Still, so it's still not my name, AC. It's just Ace, isn't it? Yeah. So then people are, would, would might like that if they don't even know who I am or anything or what it's about. They just like the word Ace, so they yeah. might buy it. So, you know, I just thought, let me try something different this this time. So I did this one. So I'm going to launch them actually today on, um, on Facebook and social media and, you know, Instagram and all that because yesterday was payday so i thought let me launch it today isn't it so yeah hopefully get a few orders in yeah man specific brown Turn up the, the rap rule show well done well done well done well done, well done. Well done. Well done. Well done.
for your merchandise like are you constantly looking at new designs and like experimenting with different concepts or have you kind of settled upon something that you think is successful and like you can develop a, a product base off yeah i have i have settled on on the the logos that i've got but what i want to try now is because there's the dtr printing laser printing come out where you can have loads of mad colors and it blends it all stuff like that so i'm going to try to do some um other designs with the same logo but like make it 3d looking put some colors on there or whatever see see if they go well as well yeah see what happens because um people like have that familiarity but with with a bit of change to it like i don't I always look at mcdonald's and and those companies golden arches yeah do you know what i mean they've got their branding and then they'll do different things with the backgrounds and different color schemes and stuff but the same branding is there and it's a strong thing like same with coca-cola all of those people um they're they're the people they're they're successful so just look at them and kind of learn learn That's from it. what how they do it in it no need to reinvent the wheel yeah 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 so i mean that's that's what i feel anyway man sweet man um for your merch is there like specific what uh parts of what you sell that like have better profit margins than the others or is it like across the board is like the same kind of deal um like obviously the face masks i was doing them I wasn't charging like some people were trying to charge 15 quid for a face mask and stuff but i was like nah that's too much man so we did it like 5.99 yeah so the profit margin wasn't all that um but the everything's really like 50 50 profit margin really um uh you know it would be cheaper if because when i was getting the t-shirts myself i was getting them done from um a guy up in manchester and he was doing them for three quid each for the t-shirts with the print on them and then i was selling them for like 15 quid so there's more profit margin, but as I said, it's like more crap in my house. It's just filling up with all these boxes everywhere and stuff. And and then you've got to go and post them and all this stuff. So it was a bit long. So that's why I just thought, fuck it, man. I'll just go with go with um, uh, dynamic threads and let them handle all of that side of things. So it's, it's all 50-50 profit margins, really. So I'm cool with that, you know, as long as, long as the stuff's out there and 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 i'm getting a, a little bit of money and whatever then it's cool because and if other people are eating as well that's fine as well with me if they're doing the job and and taking um stress off my head they deserve to eat so yeah, yeah man. you know that's, that's, that's how that's get me that's how I, how I feel a lot of people in this music game they just want everything for themselves yeah um, and it doesn't work like that it, i mean it does work for some people they'll go through their whole career using people like slaves and stuff like that, but it's not a good look. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's good. I, yeah. I prefer to work with a lot of people and everyone makes money and, and can survive because, you know, like I, I know people that are working for some big artists and they're working for them for nothing, hoping to get the bring in and they yeah. don't get any kind of bring in that big artist making dough. And then this, these these put people have ended up on the streets. They've ended up homeless and stuff because they can't pay their bills. And when that's happened to them, the big artist, yeah, the big artist hasn't come through and helped them pay the rent. So, you know, that's it's like crazy. Some, that's like some puff daddy shine kind of stuff where <laughs> he, he does his time and puff daddy leaves him to dry that kind of thing. Well, I don't know, man. I don't, see, see, yeah, it's it's kind of similar to those situations like that. Definitely, definitely. So, you know, you get 
some people they just I, I think the music industry is inhabited by a lot of like psychopathic narcissists like when i when i've done like training on on the support work and mental health work and stuff then i saw all of these terms yeah and um researched them and i was like Rah, a lot of these people in music are actually like malignant narcissists yeah and you've really got to watch out for them so that's why i'd say to to students as well learn psychology as well because when you're going to go into this thing you can look out for the um for the warning signs yeah before you get involved with someone like that look out for whether they've got narcissistic personality disorder it's like or... those gold digger chicks you meet and they're like yeah what car do you drive that kind of stuff yeah, I mean that—that's an e a very easy red flag to spot straight away, isn't it? Yeah. And and, the, and some people might be like, "Oh, okay, I'm still gonna just um, dabble a bit with this person," but it's wise to just not at all when you see yeah. that red flag. No matter how, no Trust matter how things. Yeah, no matter how good the person looks or whatever, or how promising whatever they're offering you is, just don't do it. Just get out of it. Yeah, man. So, Cut your losses. <laughs> yeah, for real, real talk. Real talk. No. So. Okay. Um, sweet man. Um, all right. Let's let's talk a bit about your music. So, um, you're a drum and bass MC. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. what do you reckon that makes makes drum and bass unique compared to other musical genres? Well, I mean, I yeah, I do. Mainly I'm specializing in drum and bass, but I have, I did leave drum and bass for about six, seven years and I was just doing hip hop again. I always start, I started in drum and bass and I was doing hip hop alongside. Yeah. But drum and bass at that time to me seemed a very closed off scene. And it was only um, letting in hardly any new talent at the time, especially with the MCs. So I was like, I had opportunities being offered to me from hip hop and I loved hip hop as well. So I was like, okay, if if I'm getting opportunities here, I'll go and do that. So I went and did it and it paid off. Um, and then I went, cause I, I had like um, some industry label, like fuckeries going on. And um, I ended up getting out of that deal. Then I went independent. And then I saw in like um, 2008, Harry Shorter come in to drum and bass. And he'd been let in um, by these big artists who would usually just block everyone, but they, they didn't to him. So I was like, okay, maybe something's changing a bit in the, in the mentality of the people uh, who are gatekeepers or whatever. And um, then like by 2010, I saw loads of uh, competitions for, there was a competition for a residency at Random Concept, which was a big rave in the Midlands. So they were giving, um, new artists a chance to be, be residents at their events so I entered that and then I got it so then I started building I didn't till about 2013 I was still doing hip-hop and drum and bass in tandem and in 2013 I said now nah, fuck it I'm gonna take this seriously and really go hard in this drum and bass thing because the live circuit at, is is you know it's really good if you can get to a level where you're, you're getting some all right money on the live circuit, you can make a living. Yeah. So um, I decided to go in for that. Whereas in the hip hop thing at the time, if you're doing the, the kind of hip hop that I like, the, the more underground stuff, it's not really commercial. The live circuit wasn't really there. Yeah. Um, and when I was on the label, we were doing gigs, like loads and loads of gigs, touring, all that kind of stuff. But 
the industry people, I didn't really like how they went on and I didn't really like the way they were trying to interfere with what you wanted to do as an artist, trying to tell you do this, do that, um, you know. Taking away creative control. Yeah, they just wanted, they wanted every song to be about being in the club, looking at some sexy woman or something and blah, 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 blah. So it was, and then the, 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 the whole money situation where they're trying to rip you off all the time. Uh, and you have to find out all these things going on, pull them up, and then you'd get the money, but there'd be always some excuse and blah, blah, blah. So then it was just getting more and more annoying for me. Hard work that was unnecessary. Yeah, it was it was stressful. You created a bitter taste in your mouth. You don't trust the people you're with. Uh, you don't trust the management. Um, you don't trust the label. Like so A toxic environment. Very toxic, yeah. So So then that's why I went independent. <laughs> And um, that's why, you know, like from, from 2004 or three, I think 2004, but no, yeah, three actually, it was selling CDs on the street. And because we were like, the UK doesn't know, the, the, the industry at the time don't know how to promote black music at all. Um, so we've got to do it ourselves. And uh, I remember I was selling, my cousin used to sell R&B and hip hop compilations, yeah. So like I started, days. yeah, and it was called the J series. So I was selling them for him in Croydon. And um, there was a rap group called Execution Squad that came out and they managed to sell like 5,000 of their own CD. And I remember buying one of their CDs off them. And then me and my friend were like, well, if they can do it, we can do it. So then yeah. we made an album and then had did a little experiment one day went out on oxford street just burnt a load of cds printed some covers at home put them in the um plastic wallets went out and sold them all for three pound each and within one day we'd sold we i think we went out with about 50 cds and by the end of the day we'd sold all of them so that was 150 wow. quid so 75 each so we were just like you know what we can just do this man so then we yeah. just started doing our own the numbers added up yeah, so then we we just um, I found a cheap pro, uh, pressing plant in Taiwan, and they would do do it with the whole color on body print and print the booklet, and then we just um, got the plastic wallets and we and we get those CDs sent to us and we just um, put them in the plastic wallets and just go out and sell them, and Sweet. we were doing that and we ended up selling like I think twenty twenty five thousand of our first album like that. And so first we just go to Oxford Street and then Leicester Square. And then at the weekends, we thought, let's go and hit other cities at the weekend. Did you so have, we, uh, when you were selling them in Oxford Street and Leicester Square, did you have any like people like trying to stop you, like feds or anything? Oh or? yeah, 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 yeah. The police would try, um, definitely. But I'd learned about the peddler's license, yeah. So we went and got peddlers licenses where you can sell something as long as you're walking, as long as you're moving, you're not setting up a stall. Yeah. So we got them, but still like the, the police would harass. And there were other guys who didn't have licenses who were selling. The police would give them asbos and arrest them and take all their stock off them and stuff. So having that peddlers license did save me. Yeah. Um, even like the count, certain councils around the country, even Westminster councils, where they try and say, oh, no, you can't use that here. We've got our own bylaws. Yeah, but I've uh, got this is a monarchy, so surely that is this isn't the US where it's like federal government. 
Well, yeah, but the the, the 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 good thing about the peddler's license, it said it can you can the person who's holding it can do it all over the whole UK. Yeah. So I was like, well, you're telling me about that, but on the back of this license, it says I'm cool for the whole UK. So and you you got to prove to me with you've got to bring up the law documents that say that and i i then there was a couple of instances where i got threatened with arrest and all kinds of shit so then i called up my lawyer and he printed out the uh legal documents from the the i can't remember what it is all the bylaws or whatever the fuck it is i can't remember <laughs> and it was saying it basically I, and then i highlighted them and i had them with me as well so there's yeah. a few times where police would be trying to arrest me, but I pull these out and say, look, these are the legal uh, documents. And they'd you read them. You knew your they'd, rights. Yeah, they'd read them. And they'd be like, oh, fuck, okay, cool. So then they leave me alone. So knowing all that stuff is very essential. So, yeah, we went around the whole country selling. And we from doing that... Were there any we, areas in the country where you were selling that was obviously you are making more or less money or was it about the same wherever you went? Um, where, when you went to a fresh area... That you hadn't been before you'll kill it um so we didn't want to oversaturate it like what some people were doing they'd go to an area and they'd stay there for weeks yeah in that same area and so then wanting more yeah then they kind of oversaturate it kill it and then then the money would start dying but we were like no we'll go to like the same city for uh three weekends so just in case you see someone on one day then and they say, I haven't got any money now. And you'd be like, okay, well, I'll be back here next week on Saturday. So come and see me. And then we do that for three weekends, then go to the next city. So we basically just were doing that all the time. And we'd be making good money. And then we did our second album like that as well. And I'd got out of my deal by then uh, with the, the label I was with. So I got out of that. So it was just all just independent now. Um, and... From that, we were funding our videos to go on Channel U, uh, Channel AKA, it became. Um, we got bookings to go on tour to other countries. Um, we did Westwood show, um, so other radio shows as well, supporting us. Semtex was supporting us on One Extra and that for certain tracks we put out. So, you know, we, we, we were doing it all by ourselves and it was good. Um, but the problem was as well, I'd find that going and doing that, when I got home, I was knackered, yeah, because you're walking yeah. around, you're driving. How long, how long days were you doing? Like 20-hour days or...? Um, what we do, like, we go in the morning, so we, we say we leave London about 6, 7 in the morning, get to where we get to, like Birmingham or whatever, if you go Manchester, da-da-da. So then you get there by, like, 11 a.m. Uh, so all the shoppers have started to come out. Do that. Then if there was a concert there in the evening... We'd go hit the concert, like if there's a rap concert or whatever, we'd hit the hit the crowd going in, sell to them, and then uh, go see the concert maybe, and then and then go home. So you'd be getting home late, like leaving at six in the morning, getting home about two, three in the morning or whatever. So then that the problem with that was we were doing that, we were too knackered to then go to a club or an industry event to then mix with all these industry people. Yeah. So... Although we were making money, we weren't getting the industry love. Yeah. Whereas other artists who you see now who's who are really big, they their whole way of doing it was getting in with the industry people yeah. and mixing in those circles. So they weren't making money like us to begin with, but now they're killing it. Specific Brown. Turn up the down! 
the Rap Rule Show. Well done. Well done. Would you have done what you did again, or would you have done the? I would have. I would have because I can't stand industry people. I, I just, I've, I've, you know, there's good ones and there's, but there's a lot of fake ones and I just can't stand them, man. A lot, a lot of them I can't stand. So, yeah. do you reckon that's that, a cult? Do you reckon that's like a cultural thing that's kind of got worse over the years, or is it just an individual case by case? I think it's got better now. I think industry people now are a lot of people who, are in my generation, who would have been a, a rapper or something like that haven't been given that opportunity because the industry didn't know what it was doing with hip-hop and black music and stuff so and they now, get the it factor they kind of yeah, understand it yeah now they're the a and r's now that's now you're seeing all of these artists getting these chances that we weren't getting so you're getting stormsies you're getting all of these um guys who, who, who are getting those chances and they're showing that this kind of music can sell so and it do can do well do you reckon what you and your generation had to go through, did, do you reckon that was kind of a, a necessary building block, unfortunate building block that had to be done for this generation to get their opportunities? Yeah, definitely, 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 I'd say that. But the at the same time, I'm, I don't know, like, I'm uncomfortable with all that fame stuff anyway. Like when I was on a label, you'd be getting recognised walking down the street because we had video that did really well on the MTV base and that and, and other channels and whatnot. We're doing a lot of shows, so you'd be walking down the road, and then suddenly there's all these schoolgirls screaming their head off, and they're and they're running at you and stuff, and and they're screaming when they're around you. So you're like, you're you're thinking, fuck, if someone sees me on the road, they'll think I'm a paedophile or something. All these schoolgirls yeah. are screaming, so I'd be like, yo, calm down, calm down, you get me arrested or whatever. Yeah, because you don't know what's going on. This like, you know, people just call the flipping cops on you, or whatever. So it's just mad, isn't it? And then I've seen that one. One artist who was on the label, he was also signed, and we, we were his support act for the first um, uh, for his tour before we dropped our album. Yeah, so that's how they they did it. Um, we went and did a thing in Birmingham at the SEC. It was a big hair and beauty um, uh, convention awards thing, and we were there, and he got mobbed by these women. Yeah. Yeah, like a massive crowd of women mobbed him. Yeah, I'm not going to say any artist names because I don't want to play them up. Yeah, fair so. play, fair so play. So he he got mobbed. Yeah, and I saw that, and they were literally pulled his hair out. They were pulling on his arms. They even pulled on his dick. All this kind of stuff. So it was literally like I was thinking, this is crazy. He didn't have any security with him, but luckily for him, the army had a stand there. Yeah, yeah. to recruit people. Yeah. So these army guys came in and rescued him from the crowd and pulled oh, no. him out. Yes. But he'd had his hair pulled out. He'd had his dick grabbed and yanked. Yeah. Shit. Do you know what I'm saying? So and, and if, imagine if they hadn't pulled him out, he might have got his arms dislocated and ripped out of their sockets or something like that. It was that mad, yeah. Shit. So I was like, that like gave me an insight into fame, and I was like, yeah, you really from that you realized what it's all about, and doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I was like, nah, mate, you know, it's cool. Like, have like when you when you're coming off stage or whatnot, and or if you've got people recognizing you saying, yeah, I like your music, uh, or I seen your video, yeah, wicked respect, or whatever. Then you're like, oh wow, thank you very much. Yeah, but then you get other people that haters. Yeah, you get you get phone calls in the middle of the night. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Da, 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 yeah, all that kind of shit. Yeah, then you get like. Yeah, yeah, just because you had a music video on a TV or something. Yeah. Uh, then you get people that think you're you're balling, yeah? They think you're... Because you've got a... Like, I remember we was on a bus 
going somewhere in Northwest London. This guy was on the bus. He's like, yo, AC. I was like, oh, shit. And he's like, what are you doing on the bus? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you got a video on MTV. Why are you on a bus? I was like, why not? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, just because you got a video, it doesn't mean you got money because people don't realise music money's slow. Yeah. You don't get those royalties till like next year or something like that. Where yeah. It's quarterly, you get the royalties and stuff like that. Yeah. And they don't understand like a, a lot of these deals are 360 deals. So the artist is literally on like, um, they're only on 10% of what the, the yeah. whole earnings is. So even and if... Mentioning your uh, like royalty streams and stuff, at the moment, is it like the sum of all the parts that is like giving you your livelihood or is there certain avenues where like... Nah, my, my royalties, for the music I had that was on radio and everything, those royalties are pretty dead now. Um, you'll get an occasional blip where I'll get some all right money, but it's pretty crap. But for the 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 live gigs, that was where most of my uh, good, I was getting good royalties for that every year because yeah. every rave I'm doing, uh, every event I'm doing, I'm, I'm putting that down in the PPL and PRS. So I'd be getting payments for that. But for my, my, my music royalties, like the good thing for when I got the lawyer to, to sort out my deal, they gave me an absolutely terrible deal. Yeah. So the, the lawyer we got had actually um, uh, worked for a label that was in a court case with them and beat them. So we got him to represent us as our lawyer. And he got me all of my royalties. I was not tied to a, a five album deal that they wanted me to be tied to. They only had one album. So I had yeah. options after um, and all of that. So I was able to walk when the trust had, had been broken and all of these fuckeries, we, we've found out about it. I was able to walk. So, you know, that that really helped. So I, I got like some good royalties and whatnot off the radio play um, that we were getting and the TV channels and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at, now the syncing, the way like adverts and syncing and all that, if you get with a good agent and whatnot, you, you can really do well. Yeah. Um, so, but at the same time, there's there's ones that will want you to tailor your music to the advert and everything. Um, so it it just depends what kind of road you want to go down, isn't it? Yeah. So, have you had any experience with syncing deals before, or, that, or if not, is that something you'd like to pursue going forward? I had, we had our um, music. I've had music in films, um, so we've got a bit of royalties from that. This it was a, a channel four movie. Um, our song was on there, and then I had one that was um, some independent movie movies came out that used our film, so there's not a lot of money in that, but it's more like it's just cool seeing your, your music in a film, yeah. Um, man. so um, and then the, those films that one of those films, um, it was called Stud, I think it was called Stud Life. It got an award, it got nominated for an award at the I think it was, I can't remember what it was, but having, you know, having all of that stuff is, is, is cool. So you, you, it just adds to your CV really. Yeah. And, um, one of my songs was nominated by, uh, for an award by a charity that deal with, um, uh, honor, honor killings and honor based violence and stuff like that. So that was really good as well. Um, cause you kind of feel like you're contributing to a cause. Yeah. Yeah. A philanthropic yeah. kind of, yeah yeah so so those things are really cool in it when you see your music in that but 
Um, we kind of got sidetracked actually, didn't we, off the drum and bass question that you were asking? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, bro. It's all good, man. Yeah. It's all good content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, when, when, yeah, when I went back into the drum and bass and I thought I'm going to go hard on this, then I just entered every competition I could and, and then managed to get residencies and then grow my own platform. But your question was what makes drum and bass... Or was it an individual kind of art form? Yeah, like to you, what separates drum and bass from other genres? Where if, oh, someone, yeah, yeah. if someone says to you, like derogatorily, like, oh, drum and bass, that's just like an urban genre or something, yeah. clearly tinged with like malice, then like oh. what would be the first thing you'd say to them, like to like, um, straighten them out about what it's about? Well, I think with drum and bass, it's like the thing that really separates it is the the beat. The, the, the speed of the, the, the beat is like 175 BPM yeah. a lot of the time. It used to be, it was 174, but a lot of DJs will raise, raise the tempo up in the dance to get people going mad. Obviously, when it was jungle, it was slower. Um, and then it's sped up and sped up as, as we've gone along. But, excuse me, I'd say that was the main thing. And then like the, um, the, the, the way the bass, the bass is the main thing about it that is when you're looking at the mix downs and stuff like that. Obviously it's gone through different trends where sometimes the bass has had a less prominent part, but that has always kind of like not been my cup of tea. Um, and then in the, you've got so many different sub genres in drum and bass now. Yeah. Like you've got liquid where it's more like the soulful kind of stuff, the piano vibes and string sections and all that. Um, and synths working together. Um, and you'll have some emceeing in that, but uh, the majority of those kind of events is more like hosting maybe and spitting the occasional eight bar or something like that. Then you've got the neuro side of it, which is really taken off in Eastern Europe. Neurofunk, it was used to be called now, they just shortened it to neuro. Wow. Um, where it's like really kind of like, um, they've really gone in on the production side of it. Like their production levels are just mad in it, all their engineering levels and stuff. So. Um, there you'd hardly have any MCs on it really just hosts as, as well or the occasional 8 bar that side of it is really big in Eastern Europe um, I don't know how big it is in the UK at, at, at the moment then you've got to jump up which is what I'm mainly operating and that gets looked down upon as having simplistic production and blah 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 but I mean you know I, I I know producers in Jump Up who are, who are really good at their production and engineering and everything, so I would disagree with that. There are, obviously, in every genre, there's going to be a lot of rubbish stuff as well. But that is where the MCs can really do their thing in the UK Jump Up scene anyway. In Belgium Jump Up scene, they've got really big. It was more like they just wanted to host because they didn't really understand the MCing thing because they hadn't really looked at the culture of where drum and bass comes from, from jungle and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so they didn't didn't really know anything past like 2012 because yeah. they were all into dubstep before that and then suddenly they got into jump up drum and bass because a lot of dubstep producers, when dubstep kind of died, they went into doing jump up, isn't it? And a lot of those sounds got carried into jump up as well. Yeah. Um, but my my main arena is that. And I'd say it's, in the, it's, it's kind of the way that the, the raves is it's like the dj and the mc working in together yeah yeah so you've got the dj spinning loads of tracks he's doing different stuff every time so every time you're going to do a set it's going to be a different experience for you 
as an MC because the DJ is dropping different things. So you might drop like same lyrics, but it's going to sound different when it's getting recorded because you've got different backing tracks behind it. Yeah. So that's what makes it fresh for me. It's kind of more like how um, the old like reggae dances were, where the the MC would be toasting over the over the what the the guy on the playing on the decks and he's playing different rhythms and stuff and the MC's doing his thing, but it's always different. That's what I like about it. Yeah. So that you could say that jazz is kind of like that as well because of all the improvisation that goes on. Um, so, you know, you, that's why I say it. And you, mainly you're doing like a 45 to an hour set, whereas a hip hop um, thing, if you go into a hip hop event where it's loads of live PAs and stuff, they might be like 15 minutes. The main act might do a half an hour. You're lucky if you get an hour out of a main act. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's what I like about it the the unknown factor that you're you're dealing with when you're doing it. Um, sometimes it can be annoying if you're an MC and you're you're on a DJ that is just playing loads of tunes you, you don't actually like. Yeah. Then that can kind of like be annoying, but then you've got to work with them. still. Yeah, you've got to work with and still try and hype up the crowd. You get some DJs that don't want to cooperate. Maybe like with a you. professional approach, like yeah, like I've got I may have yeah. been paid to be here, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it my best. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but the energy of the crowd as well, because the beat's so fast that the energy is just mad, isn't it? So, um, I've always enjoyed that. Like with the UK hip hop gigs I was doing, the energy in the underground scene wasn't really there. It's just people analyzing your lyrics and just standing there staring at you. No one's really dancing that much. Yeah. Whereas where we were doing like the R and B and hip hop gigs, um, like we we supported Neo and the and, and like some other R and B stars like Marcus Houston and whatnot. The crowd is just going mad. They're all dancing. They're, they're they're singing along with the thing. They're shouting and all that kind of stuff. So that's wicked. That's kind of like what drum and bass crowd is like. It's parallel to that, and that that energy is 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 kind of like. It's a buzz, isn't it? So you're just gonna feed off that energy. Yeah. And that's what I I enjoy people seeing enjoy uh, seeing people enjoy themselves. So with those UK hip hop events, it seemed like a lot of people would just come out to judge the rapper on 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 the the, the quality of his lyrics or whatever. And the whole a lot of the crowd would just be standing there just looking at the artist. It didn't have that vibe. Yeah, and a lot of the topics that were being spat about were very depressing, about yeah. how the world's so fucked up and all the politicians are da, da 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 da. So you, I just go back home and feel like topping myself, man. After those kind of gigs, whereas like going to a drum and bass event, it's it's just a, a, a vibe, isn't it? vibe. Yeah, yeah, you know, like and I, I've been to like um like these rappers like Two Chains and whatnot. I went to his show in uh, Brixton, um and. I can't remember what club it was. Electric. electric and that was... Up. Yeah, it was sick, man. Brixton Electric. The the vibe was just mad, isn't it? Because like, everyone knew his, his lyrics. They're just going mad. The beats, the bass is crazy. So that's kind of similar vibe to a drum and bass rave. Like, obviously, now the demographics changed a lot um, in drum and bass. So it used to be like a very, very mixed crowd when Jungle and drum and bass were there. Now it's 90% white and then 10% like ethnic minorities and stuff. But in the artists part of it is still pretty mixed in the jump up side of it. Yeah. Some of the other scenes have been criticized recently as being whitewashed. Like the neuro side is, is they, people saying that and the liquid side. Um, but in the jump up side where they all look down upon it and say, oh, this is 
kind of like rough people's music and whatnot. Um, it still maintained its ethnic mixture in the artist side at least. So it's quite quite weird how it gets looked down upon like that. Um, you know, and then you still got the old school jungle nights that get put on. And if you go there, they're very mixed in the, the crowd as well still, because you get a lot of the people that used to like that music coming out, even though they might not be into drum and bass, they're into that and they're coming out to this thing, you know? Yeah. So, uh, looking at the drum and bass scene at the moment, like, is there anyone that's on the come up that you know about or you've seen that you think, yeah, they got, they, they got the it factor, you know, someone who could, you could see doing very well and being like in the forefront of the scene going forward. Um, what MC wise or producer or either, yeah. Uh, so in drum and bass, the producer is really the king. Um, in drum and bass, so there's a lot of young talent coming through. Um, like in jumper, Mackie G has just gone clear, man. He's doing tours all by himself, getting paid big, big money, going all over the world, doing doing crazy, crazy stuff. Um. Then you've got like artists I know like Ego Tripping, he's his him or them, their vibe is more like um like old school hip hop samples and stuff like that and break samples and then going into a, a drop with like a bass whomping sound and stuff like that. They're they're doing really well at the moment. Um then in like the liquid side, uh Degs has come through as an MC and a vocalist. And he's he's wicked because he can sing and MC and he can produce as well. So he's like an all rounder. Wow, yeah, um, that's impressive. Yeah, Mr. Traumatic has done a lot in the for the MC inside of it. Um, he's putting out albums all over. He does grime and hip hop as well, doesn't he? So he's he's just doing everything. And he before lockdown he was doing a um, a tour where it was just him being the headliner. So he's he's killed it. He's killing it. Um, then you've got like obviously you've got names like Harry Shotter they're always doing new lyrical stuff pushing that side of it forward and then uh, who else got X-Man he's been a veteran for a long time and he's he's doing more lyrical stuff now as well like not not, not lyrical stuff sorry vocal tunes um, and then there's a, there's a whole load of us really like MC we're all pushing the vocal thing is um, it like a big fraternity kind of thing on the surface, yeah, but in in the 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 behind the scenes, it's all it's all the same fuckery, you know. People trying to backstab each other and block each other from making any moves and only booking their mates and stuff like that, you know. The same old bullshit. Yeah, man. So, um, who else is there? Um, Dreps is doing quite a few vocal tunes and stuff like that. Azra and Grimer released a EP that did really well on uh, Spotify as well um, recently. So they're pushing the boundaries as well. Um, you know, you've got a lot of fresh talent in there. I think the only thing uh, drum and bass is lacking is the artists all supporting each other because there's a yeah. lot of competitiveness and backbiting and people don't want people to get to um, positions where maybe they could be a threat to other artists' revenues and stuff like that. Yeah. So that gatekeeping mentality is still there. Um, which do, you reckon is that's gonna, do you reckon that will change going forward? Or would something, no. key, would something key need to change for the attitude to change? Um, I don't think it will. I think it's too, too, um, too, too much there. The only way it could change is if all those people died. 
um, that had that attitude. Yeah. And they're, you know, realistically, they're not going to, unless there's like an alien invasion that wipes them all out or, or blah, blah, blah. Or like, never say uh, never. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> isn't it? But I, I don't see it happening because that's the way that scene's been structured. It's not like Grime where like a, a new artist will come out and he's got something that pops and, and everyone's like, bro, this guy's sick. Let's all get on it and da da da. And then you've got people like Wiley going, yeah, this guy's cool, da 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 da, like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. like that. If you look at drum and bass, even like Wiley, he was in drum and bass before he left. They all, a whole load of people just left and went to do garage. Yeah. At the, at the you know, like 1999 kind of time because it was just lock off. You couldn't get anywhere. So they yeah. left. And then now look at Wiley. He went and did pay as you go, did really well with that. Eskimo. Then, then he flipping made his own genre. So. Yeah. And now those Literally. same people, the same people in drum and bass who blocked him before, now they're sucking up, sucking up to him. Yeah, change the tune. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what you see. You'll see all of these kind of things, and it will make you think, "Wow, these people, man." You just think these people are something else, man. They they really got, yeah. they got a fucking nerve, really. Like so. That's that's that's. I've seen so much of that in my time in the music industry that it just makes me not want to be around those people. Yeah. Pacific Brown. Do you reckon when it comes to that attitude, do you reckon people come in with that attitude or do you reckon the industry like sours people to make them like that? To, or is to it something them, else? To make them what users and stuff like that? Yeah. Or what? yeah. I think, no, I think you, you've got some, some artists who are just like that. That's their persona and they're going to do well. When you've got artists who use people like Stepping Stones and they will do well. Because I, I don't think it's the music industry, I think is our whole society is built for narcissists to win. Yeah. And that is a real problem. And it goes on across the board in every kind of industry, in, in politics, in everything, narcissistic, malignant narcissists will win because they don't care. They will use people and they'll drop them like a hot rock and you start using the next people. Yeah. And they'll just use anyone who's, they see someone doing well, they'll jump on them and they'll associate, it, associate themselves with them and then they'll get their relevance off that person or they'll get their shine off that person. Then when that thing has served its purpose and they see the next thing above that that's doing well, they're going to get rid of those people, jump onto the next people. And then you ask those people that they were cool with before, oh, do you still chat to them? No, nah, man, they don't even pick the phone up to me anymore. They don't chat to me, nothing. So then, that, then, then you're like, okay, that person's a malignant narcissist. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that as an artist, you coming in, you need to learn. You need to learn to be on guard for those people because yeah. I don't want to see those people succeeding. All I see is those people succeeding all the time. I, don't, I think now we need to have a change in our whole society where those people don't succeed. And yeah. they, have to, they have to learn to be decent people because at the moment it's fucked. So, Do you reckon you know, there's some kind of going deeper into the socio-political side of things like, especially when it relates to like the music industry and genres like uh, drum and bass and artists coming up, mm. do you think um, certain people are like isolated um, based on criteria like that aren't necessarily things you would initially pick up on? Like, do you reckon people were like, is it is it like the talented people, or is it even deeper than that? Is it the talented people of a certain specification? that people pick on or, direct, or is it across the board or is that question too vague? Um, how do you mean pick on? What you mean that target them for not getting anywhere or target or or what? Is it 
um, is, it, is there some kind of sadistic logic behind it or is it just like anyone who's talented, you know, oh, I'm going to ride that guy until I've made my buck off him? Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like that. But then also you get some people that come in who are talented and then these people who already got their position will see that person as a threat to their position. So then they'll do everything in their power to make sure they don't get anywhere. So yeah. they'll, they'll say, if they're already in a high position, they'll say to promoters, I will not do a set with that person. Don't put me back to back MCing with that person. Uh, they'll refuse, they'll, they'll say, um, they'll spread lies about that person to turn other artists and uh, promoters against them. They'll make sure they don't get on the agency. They'll tell promoters, don't put their name on the flyer, even if they're booked at the event. They'll, um, then they'll spread lies to ravers to try and turn ravers against that person. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a mad one. At ACM, sorry to shift the subject a bit randomly. Yeah. At ACM, since you started teaching, uh, have you come across any up-and-coming young uh, drum and bass MCs, or has everyone just been kind of rap MCs? Um, in level four, there's um, some that uh, deal with uh, drum and bass, um, and yeah, they definitely got potential. Um, but on the level fives, it was mainly like hip hop and um, uh, like drill stuff and um, grime and whatnot, and the more like auto tune kind of trap wave kind of thing. Um, so you know, you know, we'll see, innit? We'll see. But the the good thing about drum and bass, like you got like Brucey. I don't know if you heard of Brucey. Like he does other genres as well. But then he likes drum and bass, and he's been doing drum and bass tunes. And because he's a big name, now you've got all these drum and bass producers um, wanting to work with him. Yeah. So they'll do that, whereas they won't work with the MCs who are in their own scene. So it's it's one of the advice I give to. MCs in drum and bass blow up in another scene <laughs> and, then all these, and then all of these people that are ignoring then come you, home then, the con come home the conquering hero yeah yeah do you know what I mean the they'll, they'll want to work with you innit so it's funny man it's funny but I think you know it's the same in everything people don't see your potential until strangers do innit yeah so you know it's just typical like that man so like, like when I had my first video on MTV um all of these family people that before wouldn't talk to me or just thought I was a waste person or whatever. Now they're suddenly ringing me up, telling me they're, they're my cousin and stuff like that. And I'm like, who the hell are you? So yeah, it's just, man. you know, it's, it's, that's our human being. It, it cuts the most deep when it's your own flesh and blood. Yeah. You know, like, but I didn't even know these people were related. So, you know, I think human beings are, they're like that. Yeah. They, if you know them, they they very few are actually going to believe in you and support you. Yeah. Most of them will just denigrate what you do because they want you to be miserable with them. Yeah. So then you know when when you do pop off, then they'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, wicked. But you know that yeah, you never supported. So it's just. Yeah. So I you think know, it, you... goes, it goes to even just the whole music industry. Like I think I had, a I had a lecture last week. One of the tutors jokingly was gave an example of like. <laughs> You join, you're at your family get together like at Christmas. You see your uncle you ain't seen in 12 months. And he's like, yeah, how's the music thing going? I think just mm. musicians as a genre, a, a field of, of uh, a profession, I mm. still feel like it's, it's like musicians is like set apart, like a scene di much differently, either in a good or bad way from people who aren't musicians. Mm. 
Like, yeah, you're only, you're only seen as good in music if you're making a lot of money by That's your it. relatives and stuff like that. If they see the money coming in, then they'll be like, okay, yeah. If they don't, then they're like, nah, it's worthless, you're wasting your time. But, you know, they don't know that, you know, if it's paying your bills and you're saving a bit, that's still, you're still winning. You haven't got to be making meals. So, you know, like, uh, they, they would, they would um, see someone else doing another kind of job, paying their bills and saving a bit of money, and they'd see that as winning. But if you're a musician, they won't see that as winning, but they should really, because, yeah. you know, actually earning money out of music and making is, a living is not an easy thing most people don't most most people you see on the flyers of events they're not getting paid or the most they're getting is petrol money yeah that's that's a harsh reality so from if you're in a position where you've managed to get i always tell people if you if you you're getting over 200 pound to go and do a performance in any kind of music you're winning because let's say you're doing one on Saturday and you're doing one on Sunday, or even if in, that's the other beauty of the drum and bass thing is you've got raves and you can go and do three in a night, maybe four, if you can fit it in. But then they're like, you know, and if you're getting, let's say you're only getting 200 at each one and you do three in one night, that's 600 quid. That times 52 a year, that's, that's a wage. That's like 36 grand a year. So you're doing all right. Yeah. So, you know, and if you're doing that Saturday and Sunday, uh, Friday and you're making 600 both nights, now you're on 1,200 a week. Yeah, man. The math so, adds up. Do you know what I'm saying? You're on, you're, now you're on like 56 grand a year, you know? And then you got, that's only if you're charging 200 pounds per yeah. year. Now imagine it, like the, the bigger artists, they're, they're charging like a grand or they're getting paid like, MCs are getting 800, 900 quid per gig and they're doing two, three and on, on a Friday and then two, two, three on a Saturday. You know, you're killing it. And it's, it's still an underground scene. It's yeah. still an underground scene. So then... Best of both worlds, people don't know you and you're making a living. Exactly. You can go Sainsbury's and not get mobbed, innit? Yeah. So, but like, whereas like in the, in the hip-hop thing, if you've got a, a good, uh, you know, you, you, you manage to get that tune that's come out and people are liking you and whatnot, and it's cool, then you can do really well out of that as well. So, you know, like some some artists will, will price themselves out of the market, trying to charge too much too soon, and then they won't get anywhere. Yeah. So you've got to gauge it, man. You've got to come in and gauge it. Like, I don't know. Other people have done well having that belligerent attitude, and other people haven't. So it's worked for some people and it, it doesn't miss. work. Yeah, it doesn't work for most people. Mm. So, you know. All right, sweet, man. Um, yeah, like, I've listened to a lot of what you've done, a lot of the music you put out. Like, I went through your SoundCloud. Um, oh, yeah. So I counted up and I found 196 projects minimum that you've done in the last 10 years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I didn't even know that much. So basically, first things first, you've got a work ethic that's through the roof. You're putting out content all the time. Um, is there any anything you've put out since you started that you think, yeah, that's my best piece of work? Um, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, when, when I first put something new out, then I'll, I'll like it. And then I start picking holes in it and think I could have done that better, could have done this better. 
you know, the levels of this weren't loud enough or the phrasing I did at the end of that verse I'm not happy with or my uh, the, the voice I chose to rap in for that tune is annoyed me. Um, now I wouldn't rap like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just maybe quite self-critical. I guess that's um, a good thing because you, you, you're holding yourself to a high standard. It can be, yeah, but then sometimes it can make you not put stuff out because you're like, nah, it's not good enough, da, da, da. but then it might have been good enough. So then, like, for the last the last hip-hop and kind of grime album I did was in 2013, I think. That was the Keep It Together one. And that one, I, I liked that at the time. Um, and then after that, because I kind of concentrated on drum and bass, I didn't record any new tracks and I now I wish I had but I was recording loads of mixes and stuff like that where it's like an hour long mix where I'm emceeing on it and stuff so that was my is that I was, the attitude there was just trying to build keep and maintain a presence so people constantly knew you're about your thing and like yeah and they, I'd have, they, I'd have new hit, things they could hit your soundcloud and they'd know yeah yeah coming up with content yeah and I'd have new things to give out do you know what I mean new cds to give out at events and stuff like that so that was my thing, but I wish now I'd done some hip, more hip hop stuff and tracks and everything as well. So that's what I'm trying to do now. But over this past year with this COVID thing, my, my motivation has is, is not been that great. Um, I've I think done you a speak couple, for a lot of us there. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Like a couple, I've done a couple of liquid tracks where I'm rapping on them and I've got to do a hip hop remix of that track, um, which I need to really get out of the way. And then like, um, I've done features for other people, um, but when it's come to my own thing, the motivation just hasn't been there. The features is there because you don't want to let them down. They're, they're asking you for this feature, so you go and do it. But I need to get my motivation back. So hopefully I can and get that sorted. Do you reckon it's like at this moment, because we've been in lockdown for nearly a year now, do you reckon that once lockdown finishes, you'll be back on it immediately? Or do you reckon there's some kind of reintegration you need to put yourself through to get yourself back in that like headspace yeah i think i will need the reintegration like um like the other week i went and did a a live stream on this thing called worldwide drum and bass here which was like the guy built it and he's it's basically like being in a club he's got a stage got all these mad decorations on there's all halloween decorations and stuff and like these fans everywhere and lighting sick and the speakers, everything sounds wicked like you're in a club. And I really enjoyed that. It actually gave me that buzz again. Um, so when I actually in the rave, maybe I'll really enjoy it. But there is this, this kind of like a, a trepidation about going back into it. But I think the main trepidation for me about going back into it is all the, the bullshit politics involved in the, in the whole scene. Yeah. Um, that's the main thing that I just don't really enjoy. Um, so, because I, I just want to just get on with it. I just want to get on with everyone. Like, there's been times when people have fallen out and I just said to them, look, I like you, I like him. I don't want to be in the middle of this bullshit. I just want to get on with both of you because you've always been good to me and you've got this problem. And then they were like, yeah, cool, that's fine, isn't it? So I, I've been lucky and I've managed to speak to people like that and still stay cool with people. Yeah. Um, even though they're not cool with each other. But then some people have the attitude that if you're cool with the person I don't like, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's a, a shame. shame. Yeah. yeah, that is a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, there will, 
there is a bit of trepidation going back into it. Like I've kind of got used to having more sleep. Um, so yeah, and and I'm not missing the long driving either. Like driving hundreds and hundreds of miles every yeah, week. Yeah, man. To go Maybe in a weird stuff. way, it's kind of this has allowed you to kind of rehabilitate a bit, like in like in regards of just getting yourself some good rest and you know, yeah, some stress off your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, from the yeah. hustle. Yeah, for real, for real. But yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the album I of that I've done the, al- the album I probably like. For the energy one would be probably be the human trash one, me and Terry did, because that was just pure like madness and stuff. It was funny and whatnot. The the euthanasia one, the escape from the land of the waste men as well is called. That one was kind of like it was us perf- kind of like perfecting the sound a bit. And then when I've done my solo album, Keep It Together, I really enjoyed doing that. Um but yeah, then I did a lot of EPs that I put on Bandcamp and everything. And I, that would, I just did it with different producers to see what kind of vibe I could get. Yeah. Um, was that like experimental then? Yeah, they're only like four track EPs and stuff. While I was making the Keep It Together album, I wanted to keep putting some product out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know which one I prefer. Like there's there's just certain tracks on some that you listen to, you're like, okay, yeah, I was I was good on that one or you like the beat that you made or whatever yeah it kind of resounds with you but yeah like there's now the way i'd rap now would be different like when i first was rapping on tracks because i was used to being in a rave where you have to make your voice cut through over bass and all this kind of stuff i'd be kind of like producing my voice in a high way yeah to, to, to be able to be heard and then when I've gone into the studio, I would get the engineer to have the volume of the headphones like that. So I'd rap like that. So it was like a high voice thing. Now that kind of irritates me. So now I'd be, my voice is when I'm rapping is more lower and I prefer being able to do that. So I don't know, man. Yeah, it's like, I think what I'm going to make now, I'm going to prefer in the long run because, um, you kind of evolved as an artist. Yeah, I won't find my voice too like piercing. Maybe like the way the engineers have mixed it before. It's kind of like I don't know, man. It's like with being real from Cypress Hill when he did the nasal thing. When I first heard it, I didn't like it. And then I got used to it and I liked it. Um It grows on you. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe I, I don't know, man. I, I, the way I'm producing my voice now, it all depends on the pitch of the tune. Like, so I'll try and pitch my voice so it goes in key with the tune. Yeah. Like some MCs don't do that, and they they still they can still ride the tune successfully. But I always like to do that. Um, maybe you could. Do. Maybe going forward, you could do like at some point because a lot of people have done this, some to varying success. You could do like a best of AC. You could put like ten of your best tracks on a. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. I did do one mixtape like that with um what's his name again? DJ Ames. He he put a mixtape like it was only an online thing though. Um I did do that with him a while back. Um that was quite a few years ago now, but then yeah, maybe do that again. Um so you know. Sweet. Okay, uh, AC, uh, have you got any projects in, in the making at the moment? Like, what can we expect from you next? 
Um, well, I've got this this two liquid releases that I've got coming on two different labels, and one's gonna have a hip hop remix on it as well. Um, and then I just want to get recording more hip hop stuff. I recorded one track that's like a a kind of like jokey song about STDs and trying to. Um, I want to do do like songs that are kind of like about topics um, that will maybe help people have a more healthy life and not you know, not get STDs or not get addicted to drugs or whatever, like stuff like that. But doing it in a way that's not preachy. Yeah. Um, so, because I've always found that the rappers I've listened to that I've, I've enjoyed the, those kind of like songs the most were the ones where they did it with a sense of humour. So it's not just preaching at you. Um, yeah. And then that the message would be more palatable. Oh, so I, I, I like that kind of vibe. So I'll be doing that. A few more of that, man. Definitely. Sweet, man. Uh, do you want to mention your socials, like how people can see your stuff or get in contact with you? Yeah, so I've got my website. It's acmcmusic.com. And then I've got um, on Instagram, it's at acthemc. I wanted it to just be acmc, but that name was taken, so that's why I had to put the though in between for all the yeah. socials. Um, Twitter, the same, at acthemc. Facebook, is my Facebook page is ac.mc. If you type that in after facebook.com forward slash ac.mc. Then YouTube, I've got my channel with Terror still, that's AC and Terror, all one word. Uh, and I'm on TikTok now as well, started using that Fair play. the other day. So it's ACMC DMV on that one. Nice so one. Yeah, that's everything, man. Yeah, oh, SoundCloud as well, ac.mc on SoundCloud. So. So yeah, man. Like I just go by the name ACMC, but just for the socials, I had to put the zone between just so I could get a get a name there, man. Yeah, that's so. cool, man. All right, AC, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for taking out your time to have a talk today. And cool, uh, thank you. I'll get in, I'll be in contact with you soon, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. One one recommendation I give to anyone going in the music industry, and I'm not saying you should follow these rules or follow follow it become like that but to guard against it is read Machiavelli the Prince and also read 48 Laws of Power and I'd say don't become those people because they are not nice it is basically like a narcissist psychopath handbook but learn those because a lot of people do operate like that and then you can guard yourself against all of them the stuff that they'll do in that and maybe you can operate and still be a nice person Sweet, so, man. That's a yeah. positive message to end on. <laughs> All right, thanks, cool, AC. Man. Take All care, right. bro. Yeah, man, take care. See you later. Pleasure, bye, man. Bye, bye, bye. Take care. Later. That was my interview with MCAC. That's the end of the first episode of the Specific Brown Rap Rule Show podcast. In my next episode, I'll be interviewing MCLMC from Norwich, and we'll be talking to him about live performance. Thanks for listening to the Specific Brown Rap Rule Show podcast, and until next time, keep it real. Keep it hip-hop. 100. Thanks for listening. Until next time, from the Rap Rules Show, stay blessed, keep it real, keep it hip-hop.